Now, a few more details about this year's company picnic. It's at the plant, no food will be served, the only activity will be work, and the picnic is cancelled. Finally, I would like to add to any nuclear inspectors in the crowd that the titular head of the power plant is now Mr. Homer J. Simpson. That's right. And as my first act, Mr. Burns, you're fired! (laughs) That man's mad! Smithers, get this bedlamite an alienist. No, it's entirely within my power. Furthermore, there never were any nuclear inspectors. Check and mate. Let's go. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCPTA 20 in Chicago, this is the Sports Cubicle. The inmates are on the asylum, and our boss is going to yell at us on Monday morning because he's a big, stupid jerk who doesn't like paying us overtime, and we're working overtime. Paulacious. Yeah. We're running out of football to work overtime during, though. Yeah, I know. The games are uh, only down to, what, the last four, last, last however many. It's a big weekend. Find out who's going to be in the conference championships. I know, and it's just so disappointing, man. There's less football to watch during the day. It's like, we need the USFL or XFL to get beer quick. <laughs> if that's your thing. I'm just getting there, Paulacious. That's what we got to do here. And of course, you know, Chicago Bulls are keeping it alive somehow. Yeah. And uh, a team in Chicago is making moves. You want to take a guess if it's the Cubs or the White Sox? Uh, no. Uh, who's making moves? It's Chicago Bears. I lied to you. Oh, yeah. But it's nice to see one team around here feeling need to make some moves here. Hiring a whole new CEO. It's like, maybe we can just, you know, get the McCaskies out altogether and uh, really, really have a team that we can be proud of instead of longing for the Cardinals come back. Hey, baby steps. <sighs> Ricardo, take some big leaps by taking it away. It has been a busy week in the world of sports and here locally in Chicago as the Bears are introducing their new president in Kevin Warren. The Bulls in Paris really show out and have a great performance against Detroit Pistons. And of course, we have the AFC and NFC division around coming up this Saturday and Sunday. But we have to start this this conversation this weekend, this sports cubicle with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Chivari, and myself, Mike Mercado, with Ted with George McCaskey introducing the replacement of Ted Phillips in Kevin Warren. I think an inspiring hire and what seems to be a really, really defined and and a really interesting individual in Kevin Warren. And Marvelous, we have some audio we got to listen to from both George and Kevin. But before we get to that, Marvelous, your thoughts on hiring of the former Big Ten commissioner that brought in USC and UCLA and helped lead the Big Ten during the pandemic and a former executive that helped build a stadium in Minnesota has been with Detroit and LA. Your thoughts on the new man in charge over at Hallis Hall, over at Soldier Field, and soon to be over at Arlington Heights. Well, he did the job in the Big Ten. He got the L.A. market, and he's going to do the job here in getting a replica of U.S. Bank Stadium in Arlington Heights, I believe. That's the main reason for the hire, I believe. And he he has experience, and uh, I believe that uh, Soldier Field uh, might become uh, home of the Chicago Jaguars someday. You never know. It is something you and I have talked about a lot. It is something I do believe that there will be another team in Chicago, whether it is Soldier Field or it is the new stadium in Arlington Heights. That is something you and I are going to be talking about for a long time because we are sports nerds. We are stadium nerds and we love this conversation. But I think Marvelous, what I really want to run through you and kind of bounce some opinions are some notes I took 
from this press conference because you are somebody who's seen the regime of this Bears team really be in the family. Same with me. My As long as I've been a fan, this has been a family-ran organization. And now with the hire of Ryan Poles and the hire of Kevin Warren, including some of the awesome young executives in the front office that they have uh, promoted, this is a team that has really kind of not gone away from that and are more entrusting in people, not just people with the same bloodline. So I want to get your thoughts. So I think we should first start with George. And as he introduces the new CEO and president of the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren. Papa Bear is smiling today. He knows there is plenty of work to do on the field, but I'm confident he would be pleased with the handing of the baton from one accomplished executive to another to continue the stewardship of his beloved Bears. Kevin possesses the qualities that we were looking for in our next president and CEO. Leadership, vision, intelligence, decisiveness, humility, a team player, an effective communicator, someone who understands what the Bears are all about and who can re-energize our staff to get us where we want to go. And it didn't hurt that Kevin holds an advanced degree from Arizona State University. <laughs> Kevin's experience as a player agent, as a lawyer in private practice, as an executive with three NFL clubs, and as Big Ten Commissioner has prepared him for this moment and we have complete confidence in him to lead this franchise back to greatness. It's clear to me that given Kevin's experience with NFL clubs and his interaction with their football operations, we should return to having the general manager report to the president and CEO. Ryan Poles remains in charge of our football operation with complete authority to do what he thinks is best for the Bears. Ryan and Kevin talked during our interview process, and we are confident that they and Matt will work together to give Bears fans the winner they deserve. It is with pride and a grateful heart that I present the next president and chief executive officer of the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren. And that was George Rinkowski introducing Kevin Warren. And I think the the note of that is George Rinkowski giving us the chain of command that we know that Ryan Poles will report to Kevin Warren. And I think what a lot of people are wondering, or we're wondering, and I think it was made clear both from what we're about to hear from Kevin Warren and what we just heard from George Rinkowski is Kevin Warren's in charge. They're going to lean on him. This is the guy that they they have chosen. This is their Theo. This is their guy, their Kenny Williams. This is their John McDonough back in the good days of what the they want to do with these organ this organization moving forward, getting to the modern day. And I think having Ryan Poles go to Kevin Warren, and that's it. That's your chain of command. Matt Eberflus reports to Poles. Poles reports to Warren. What did you take from from George in the in his opening statement? That's exactly right. That's just what they were looking for. A guy that's had the experience and a guy that's brought a, a, a spiffy new stadium uh, to the market, as he did in Minneapolis. 
and he has all the skill set that they need. And uh, it's it's a good thing to see them moving outside the family because I have a feeling that that's the way it's going to be in in the next ten years or less. I think that the family might divide, divest themselves a little bit of the Bears, or maybe totally, because um, I'm not sure if the the youngers are going to want to keep keep the Bears after the olders are gone. And that is why it is important to get somebody who's going to do it properly, right? To get somebody talented. And I think when you hear from Kevin Warren in just a second, it's really important to kind of see how this guy ended up becoming a commissioner of the second biggest league conference entity in college football has been an executive around the NFL and has, and you'll hear his story. And I, we want to give courtesy and a thanks to the bears, YouTube channel. If you want to hear the entire press conference, it's their Chicago bears, YouTube channel. That's where we got this audio from George McCaskey. And we're about to hear from Kevin Warren. So with that, let's listen to the new president of the Chicago bears, Kevin Warren. We might uh, pause it every few minutes just to kind of talk a little bit about what he said, and then we'll recap the entire thing. But I think this is a very interesting insight on the guy who is now leading the Bears into this really what could be pos- uh, prosperous future for this organization, for this temple, for this this team that has is a uh, a pillar and which should be a pillar of the National Football League. So here's the new president of the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren. George, thank you uh, <clears throat> for those kind words. I really appreciate it, and first and foremost, to God be the glory uh, to stand before you here today. This journey really started a little over 30 years ago, and I think uh, the gentleman who helped me start this journey is here in Chris Zorich. Um, He asked me to, to represent him as his agent in 1992. And the good thing about that That day and that time, I had just started my sports agency. Chris was my first client, and for the first year was my only client, which afforded me the opportunity to really learn and understand truly what the Chicago Bears stands for and what it means. So I was blessed with the opportunity to attend all of his home games at Soldier Field, sit in the stands, with the incredible fans of the Chicago Bears. And Chris, I want to thank you. It's amazing how the good Lord works. I never would have thought 30 years ago that uh, when you and I would go to those games and I would wait for you outside the locker room and had the chance to negotiate your contract with Ted, that I'd be standing here today. And I just want to thank you for having faith in a 27-year-old person uh, to represent you and I will, I will forever be grateful. So Chris Zorge, thank you very much. Today's special. I'm excited. I'm energized. And I'm honored to stand before you today. And I want to thank so many people. First, I do want to thank George Hallis. Thank God that he was able to get the Decatur Staley's and bring them here to Chicago and had the vision to be a player and a coach and an executive and an owner. I want to thank the Hallis family. I want to thank the McCaskey family. George, the relationship that we've developed that we had in the league is is very special to me. And it's an honor that Mrs. Virginia McCaskey is, is still living and here and vibrant. 
I want to thank Ted Phillips. Ted was one of those individuals during our, our journey, during the interview process, but even going back 30 years that you looked to and said that they did it the right way. Many of people have asked me, why the Bears? Why this time? It's because of the, the challenge, the opportunity. I trust Ryan. I trust Coach Matt that we're going to do things the right way. We're not going to take shortcuts. We're going to build an incredible franchise. I came here to win championships, to win the NFC North, to win the NFC, to win the Super Bowl, to help shepherd and lead a stadium development project, to embrace our alumni, to embrace our history and tradition, and to embrace the absolutely incredible Chicago Bear fans. All right, I want to pause there for just a second. That is the new president, CEO of the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren, in his introduction press conference. You can get the entire audio over at the Bears YouTube channel. You are here on the Sports Cubicle, the Sports Cubicle with the Marvelous One, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shivari, myself, Mike Mercado. A very exciting time for this new regime, for the fandom, for the charter franchise of the Chicago Bears, of your Chicago Bears. And Marvelous, some stuff I wanted to uh, run past and run through with you since, you know, you are our oracle when it comes to Chicago sports. You have seen and heard all of them come and go. But some things I've noted from Kevin Warren, first of all, the acknowledgement of and really hitting it home, the history of the Chicago Bears. This is a team that has done a very bad job of really, and I hate using the word exploiting, but really acknowledging and taking advantage of their history, how cool it is and how unique of a, of its family ran still kind of the mom and pop shop that the bears are. And you can hear him really talking about former players, alumni, and this is something the bears didn't do well over the years. How long did it take for them to acknowledge Mike Ditka for, for Christ's sakes? Like we talk about, you know, this, this team just didn't do things right for a long time. And some of the first things he mentions is making sure that they know this is who you are. This is who you are at the dinner table. Make sure you hold yourself. And that's how we're going to hold ourselves in that kind of esteem. And you then hear about them. No, we're also, you know, everybody in Dallas gets celebrated. Everybody in Pittsburgh gets celebrated. Everybody in San Francisco does should be the same way here in Chicago. And you can hear that in his, not just his opening statement, but the sentiment, the way he's speaking on it. I think there's some conviction behind it. Your thoughts on that. He definitely checked all the boxes. He went back to his first job at age 27 as an agent for Chris Zorich. So he made the Bears connection right away. And then obviously talked about everything, the history of the Bears. And all of this has never really been uh, emphasized in the past. And alumni and everything sounded so so perfect the way he presented it. So, uh, you know, definitely it's, it's a great hire. And uh, it looks like, uh, you know, he wants to win the, <laughs> the NFC North and the NFC, uh, it, it, you know, and, and the championship. And those are our platitudes, but that those are those are definitely goals that should be uh, spoken to and attained. And it's great that he's saying it. He's putting it out there. He's not, you know, kind of going around it. And he mentions, you know, we're, we're getting into the football side at the end of it because there's some stuff I want to talk about, the big time connection to the Chicago Bears. But the new stadium, they're not hiding from it anymore. 
And and in his media rounds that he did after this press conference, that they are going all in, and he is excited. He like you can you talk about giddiness. This this very you know distinguished man has sat there. This this person who is kind of a unicorn in this way. He was able to do all this and manifest all this. You know he's looking at his chops, and you hear when he says it. The all the 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 land. And the acres that they, the possibilities of, of Arlington Park in Arlington Heights, what they can do. And you're, you know, we saw the the render plan of what it looks like a, a, a really nice stadium. And I don't know if the taxpayers in Cook County and the entire state are going to be paying for two stadiums and one, uh, a, a renovation and one, a brand new one. That's something, again, we'll talk about as the months and years progress, but you can hear that they are excited and they're leaning into that. So you're with me now. Like I've been on this train for a while that they've been moving even before they officially made a bid, but this can just confirms that they are going to be in the suburbs of Chicagoland. Absolutely. And that, you know, the giants and the jets don't even play in New York state. So at least we'll be in the same state. So we got that on, on the other teams. Obviously, Detroit, you know, has, at times was playing Pontiac. So, I mean, it's in my, and the Dolphins don't play in Miami anymore. So uh, this is the way it is. It's ultimately about money, of course, and the luxury suites and concerts, Super Bowls. Uh, it's it's, it's going to work out well for the Bears' ownership financially. I'm glad you even you brought that up, too. If you look at something like SoFi Stadium, right? Like, and the Bears aren't going to get SoFi. That's just a little bit too rich for what this family can afford right now. Maybe 50 years from now when they want to build another one or, and the generational wealth or it, it's sold to Jeff Bezos, whatever, then they will be able to make their own complete version of Jerry World or SoFi. But that idea of what the Cubs did, right, of, of allowing it to be a place where 365 you can have things happening. You can have your, your Christmas town and you can have your holiday town. You can have your Halloween town. And then you can have your concerts, your final fours, your WrestleManias, your Super Bowls, your concerts. You know, you could bring in all these different things. And quite frankly, we'll see what it does for employment because you, you know, IDOT and everything has to be involved with being able to make sure transportation is able to get there. We'll see how property value and hotels and all this. So there's a lot of intriguing things that people can hold on to while also having a critical eye on who's going to pay for all this. And you brought in a guy who has, who has connections, who's going to be able to find a way to fundraise and make it hopefully pay as painless as it can be for the, the citizens and the residents of Cook County and the state of Illinois. That's something, of course, we're going to be keeping an eye on here on the sports cubicle and WCPT. But yeah, you can hear that they are all in on the new stadium, but why don't we continue and finish up the last half of Kevin Warren's introduction as a the president and the, the CEO of the Bears, the new man in charge, Kevin Warren. That's why I'm here. We will continue to do it the right way. We will work hard. We will have fun. We will be diligent. We will be detailed. We will be methodical. We'll operate with integrity and honor at every step of the way. This is a special time in the NFL, but most of all, it's a special time for the Chicago Bears. Everything's ahead of us. Greatness is ahead of us. All we need to do now is go and grasp it. Put in the time, energy, and effort. This is the best NFL football city in the country. We have the best ownership phenomenal leadership. 
good, young, talented players, the best fans, phenomenal alumni, 30 people in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's all here. And I am so excited, I'm honored, I'm humbled to be able to come to work here each and every day. It's amazing when you look at your life, how you sometimes ask yourself when you're going through something, what is that for? What is that about? Why did that happen? Why did I learn that? Why did that go this way? But it's days like today that you recognize that it all comes together and that everything in all of our lives happened for a reason. And I'm honored to stand before you today. There are a couple other people that I truly want to thank uh, who've been there, especially my wife, Greta, who's here. To have a partner for over 30 years who always shoots us straight with you. And as she said, from day one, this feels right. This feels like home. I trust the McCaskies. I trust this franchise. I love Chicago. So Greta, thank you for being a partner. Thank you for always being there with some of my wild thoughts. I really, really appreciate you being there from a support system. And then to have my son Powers and my daughter Perry and May, who's been my administrative assistant for 32 years. It's good to see May and Chris back together. And then Saul and Emily and Saman and Q just to be here. I'm a relationship person. It's about relationships. It's about family. And I'm looking forward to building a, a incredible culture here with the Chicago Bears to meet with every employee one-on-one -on -one to ask them some simple questions. If you were a member of the McCaskey family, what would you do to bring a championship? What can we do to help you on a daily basis? Tell me one thing that we can change to make this an incredible place. So I'm, I am so humbled, I'm honored, I'm grateful to stand here. And I know that I think Pat and Brian McCaskey are here. I wanna thank you all for everything that you've done. I know we'll be spending a lot of time together. So this is a special day as we move forward in a journey. I'll always be transparent with you. I'll be honest and straightforward. And I'm looking forward to making this home for a very long time and, and bringing championships home to Chicago. That was Kevin Warren, the new CEO and president of the Chicago Bears. That audio courtesy of the Chicago Bears YouTube channel. Check it out if you want to hear the entire hour press conference, including the questions that were asked by the media. And uh, Marvelous, as we are here on the Sports Cubicle with the Marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shavari, and myself, Mike Mercado. There's one thing that I really I took from this, right? He seems like a sweetheart of a guy, like just a, a very nice dude. Now, I don't want to say he's one of these guys you could go have a beer with. You know, we're not talking about politics in, in that sense, but I do just think like he's a he seems like a good dude, but but he seems cutthroat. Seems like a no nonsense guy. Seems like a guy who knows what he wants, how to run a ship and 
at the very end of that of that opening statement, before he started opening it up to questions, the one thing you heard is he's going to talk to every employee. And by employee, for everybody who's listening, he's not talking about the training staff. He's not talking about, you know, Justin Fields. We'll get to that in a second. He's not even talking to Matt Eberflus. He's talking to the other executives, the people in the offices, the people who you would say if you watch the movie Office Space, what exactly is it that you do around here? Because there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be gone that had jobs here because of the family, because of their connections, a little white socks, if you will, a little bulls, if you will. And that's not going to be the case here. You're going to see what they did in, in a lot of different organizations for here locally, for example, what the Blackhawks and Cubs did. They're going to invest in R&D. They're going to invest in scouting. And you're going to see how he's going. Imagine he's a real estate agent. He's going to evaluate your house's worth. And now he's going to tell you what renovations you need to make, what additions you need to make to make sure this is viable and feasible for not only if you sell it, but for the immediate actions of what you're trying to do. So I think that's initially what I got. So after hearing kind of the end of it, before we get to the connection with QB one and his role as big Ten commissioner, your thoughts of the guy himself from the first, you know, 15 minutes we heard of the new CEO and president uh, of the bears, Kevin Warren. Well, he was humble and honored. And, uh, he, he, he said that everything, you know, he was sort of almost a religious tone. Everything happens for a reason. So I guess he's feeling that this is his destiny. So uh, therefore, uh, you know, he's been put here <laughs> for a purpose, and that purpose is to win championships. And you're right, there will be some house cleaning. And uh, uh, based upon his past history, uh, there is evidence of success. I mean, Minnesota didn't win any Super Bowls, but maybe he'll be able to do that here. Uh, obviously, the, the talent on the field is the ultimate decider of what happens. So, again, the platitudes are nice, all the right words, all the boxes are checked, and uh, uh, the, the proof of the pudding <laughs> is down the road, I would say. And down the road is the most important thing for one particular player in Chicago as the Bears are on the clock. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about how they might get Michael Pittman, the fourth round pick and a future one. They might end up getting Devontae Adams. They'll move down to number two, then to number three, then to number five, and they'll stockpile all these picks. But the only thing that is certain or what seems to be certain is QB one is number one, Justin Fields. And we know that there was a little bit of a rift, a little bit of some drama, a little bit of beef between Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, some Big Ten commissioners, head coaches, and Justin Fields himself of the 2020 pandemic season. And Kevin Warren and a bunch of his media scrums mentioned that there is a these are type A personalities, especially a cat like Justin Fields. And these guys just want to know what your decision-making process is. How did you get there? And the one thing I took from him was, He's reasonable. He's a reasonable guy. He may not agree with everything, just like a lot of us don't have to agree with everything that's, that goes on or how we handle certain situations. But the reasonable people, the people who are successful, are able to attain information and able to make a responsible, informed decision. And somebody like Kevin Warren, I feel, is like that from the work we've seen in that turmoil of a situation while he was also trying to get a new TV deal and expand the Big Ten. And for that to be with Justin Fields, specifically with Justin Fields, who he had to speak with, who he had the most drama with, I think there is something to them being able to hash that out. And then the next thing you know, he's the quarterback of your team leading you into the future. And both of your, uh, you would say, career trajectory kind of rely on each other. 
What did you think about the history of Justin Fields and Kevin Warren kind of being connected to the hip too? Correct. Obviously, he, he did show some flexibility in that 2020 season. If you recall, there was a, uh, some decisions that were made that were that were changed or flipped once uh, the the uh, feedback, shall we say, came from uh, the teams, the players. Uh, they, I, if I recall correctly, they weren't going to complete a season at one point, but they did, and um, you know it was a tough call. I mean, nobody really knew what to do. Uh, even now, as we speak, Northwestern bas- basketball has 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 postponed two games due to mm-hmm. COVID. So. It was a complete unknown, and and they made the best of it that they could. And, and you're right, there was some friction, and uh, I mean maybe that's part of the the destiny that they're that they're together now, and everything's patched up. And I think that is it in itself, though, is how cool this is. You know, it could all obviously flame out, right? The the Bears can mess up the number one pick. Justin Fields can end up being a flash in the pan, and Kevin Warren can help sink the ship even further. That's all within possibilities. I mean, this is the NFL. That's more than likely what can happen. But I think if you're just kind of looking at, you know, if you're somebody who plays the stock market or you like to buy shoes on StockX or whatever it is, you'd like to do trading cards. It's all about momentum and feel and kind of how everything else is shaping up. And at the very least, I think the Bears are putting themselves in a safe spot. May not lead to glory. You may not become the Roonies or the Waltons or anything. But if you're consistent, if you're always around, wouldn't you give to be a, and I hate saying this, but how often the Vikings, even though they lose a lot, to be there, to be around, to be relevant. And this was a season where a team that only won three games was relevant because of all the moves they're making. And this is the last point I'll make because we got a lot left here on the show. I think what's cool about this team is if you look at that press conference, if you look at that roster, that coaching staff, a lot of mixed people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different walks of life. And then the big three, your quarterback, your GM, and now your CEO, influential black men in the city of Chicago on a family that was a a strictly family ran team. Things are changing. This isn't an indication that things are going to be better on the field. This is an indication that they're listening to change, that they're willing to change whoever the person is. If they think that's what's best for the team, that's important. And this is the first time we've seen that. So Marvelous and I are going to be here to break it all down. We'll be talking about trades. We'll be talking about the NFL draft, which happens to fall on my 33rd birthday. So what an awesome birthday game it would be if I could get myself a wonderful pass rusher and a wide receiver and some more draft picks for our Chicago Bears. But with that, we want to know your thoughts. What did you think about the press conference from Kevin Warren, the new CEO and president of the Chicago Bears? We're on Twitter at SportsCubicleTV. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Single. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Fricado. Well, Paul Aceus, history was finally made yesterday. You want to take a wild guess? Uh, let's see. You lost bad in a uh, bet on the Giants. That's not history. That happens all the time here. And not just on the Giants, but Trevor Lawrence lost his first game ever on a Saturday. Wow, that's a unique stat. I know, very interesting. And it's also because they play mostly on Sunday, not on Saturday. When was the last time the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence were in the NFL playoffs? Yesterday. Bam. 
Now, is it the first time he's ever lost in the NFL on a Saturday or just in his career? In on his a career on a Saturday. I was going to say because uh, whether he played in high school football, he probably won if he ever played Saturday games. The majority of his college career, almost the entirety of his career, was spent on Saturdays at Clemson. That's crazy. And then the NFL probably select few Saturdays. That's a, that's a unique stat. I'm actually really impressed by that. Yeah, I found that out actually this morning, so <laughs> you're all fine. Just like how Jeff Saturday was the first coach to ever win a game on a day with his name in it. Okay. We don't need to talk about that, though. But I definitely want to talk Jaguars-Chiefs first here because Patrick Mahomes, I said this best yesterday, and Josh Buckhalter agreed with me. Patrick Mahomes is a machine. Healthy, slightly banged up. I don't want to say injured as he did come back. You know, he's got Kelsey, great just, you know, thing around their oh, well, surrounding. Mahomes is easily the best quarterback in the league right now. That's, I mean, there, there's no question there. And it's it's uh, unique that he's at, like, like peak athleticism right now. It is, like, you know, early in his career. And this season, great season. That injury, though, yesterday that he sustained against the, the Jaguars, I mean, you saw how he was limping. You saw how he wasn't as mobile afterwards. And mobility is his entire you know, what, what his his entire strength compared to any other quarterback. So I'm wondering how this is going to change the Chiefs game plan, go, uh, game plan going forward. But it always seemed like uh, early in the game, they kind of went to Kelsey a lot, and that opened up more things where they can go to other receivers. And and just all day, just he, he always had at least one receiver kind of open midfield, just uh, no one around and just uh, would pick up, you know, big yardage throughout the day. It must be nice here, though, you know, especially having a mobile quarterback that has, you know, time to, you know, Figure out where he wants to throw to, and definitely I was worried with Mahomes seeing a limp there. And I mean, he came back and won the game still, you know, against the in a championship uh, playoff game, I should say. Mm-hmm. So it's still very competitive. And you thought it would be a bigger blowout. I'm like pretty close as roughly as expected. If he was healthy or didn't miss time in that game, I think you know it would have been a two score game. I think the you know Chiefs seemed like they were in control the entire day. You know, I know the the Jags kind of gave him a little bit of trouble somewhere around like the third fourth quarter, but. You know that 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 went how I expected it to go. Left, let's shift. Like so, so we look now. Um, either it's going to be the neutral game against the Bills in Atlanta, or by the time you're listening to this, we'll know it'll be uh, against Cincinnati in Kansas City. So, no matter what the scenario is, tough matchups. The home field against Cincinnati would probably be a little bit more beneficial, and I think that they would easily be the favorite in that one. But I think we got to see what type of Buffalo shows up against Cincinnati because that could be. I mean, I think that's the AFC Championship everybody wants—the rematch of last year's game that went back and forth in Kansas City. You know, where in overtime, where uh, you know, what I'm talking last year. Yeah. You remember that the game, coin you know? toss game, as they called it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, let's not forget like the 12 second drive or whatever it was, or 17 second drive that. Mahomes led the Chiefs down to like take it to overtime. Like that was one of the most impressive playoff games in history. Oh, absolutely. So I think everyone wants that as the AFC Championship this year, and it deserves to be. I think based on who the class, you know, n- nothing against Cincinnati. If if they do it, they're writing their own narrative. Is right now the class of the AFC. If they can get back to the Super Bowl in back to back years, Joe Burrow, that would be so impressive. Uh, but you know, the the storylines are right there, like we expected in the AFC. The one we didn't know, though, you thought, anyhow, the Giants and the Eagles, you thought the Giants had a chance. I think the Eagles are for real. I just got to see I got to see what happens in the Niners-Cowboys game tonight, and, and I got to see that NFC matchup, what it's looking like. But, I mean, the Eagles, 
the way they looked last night against the Giants, they they really do look like they they are the best team in the NFC. And I will definitely give you that. That was a huge, insane blowout. And I mean, the Giants beat the Eagles three times the regular season, which I feel like the Eagles might have just been psyching. Like, let's let's lose to the Giants so we can prepare ourselves to destroy them in the three playoffs. Times they play in preseason. They normally don't play that. They play twice in the season. And then the preseason game. And the preseason. Wow. Okay. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have yeah. I should have said once preseason. Twice, yeah. and preseason. I don't know yeah. if that really counts, but still. Still. Yeah, it's like you beat them both times in regular season here, and then when it's, you know, push comes to shove time, they just, can I say crap the bed? They just crap the bed. Yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, the Eagles win when it counts on this one, and they, they've been a great team. I think only, what, three or four losses the whole season? That's that's a good team. They're on home field. It's, the you know, their first playoff game. They're you, And they're just a well-put-together offense, very tough defense you know, you saw how the Giants barely got past the Vikings, you know, but but with the, like and I knew too, once they had those uh, those players, you know, the the safety, uh, uh, what uh, Xavier uh, um, McDaniel, um, if they were, uh, you know, if they if they were injured or compromised like they were earlier in the season, I don't think the Giants make the playoffs. But I think the 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 way they came back won in Minnesota, Minnesota's. You know, I who knows what type of team they were. Were they legitimately the third best team in the NFC? I don't know. I think they just played in a weak division yeah. and got got some cheap wins, you know, to set themselves up. So you go into a tougher stadium, Philadelphia, the the team with the fewest losses in the NFC, the team that all throughout the season, pretty much once they went on that run, in like September, October, Philly was all already like the top team this season. And I don't think everyone saw that coming, but at the same time, everyone knew that the last few seasons they were on the cusp of something with, with Jalen Hurts, you know, that they, they had some talent on that team and, and could go forward. So I think last night what we saw was basically that there was the Giants were outmatched. I know you bring up the stat that the, the Giants won the regular season battle, but, you know, the Giants were a feisty team all season. The, the Eagles are, you know, they're, they're, they're killers. And I think it's just, they, 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 they finally had, uh, you know, their, their home field, the chance to show off and, now let's see if they can do it against the Cowboys or the Niners. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah, no more comparisons to Daniel Jones to Eli Manning because Eli Manning always won when it counted. I guess he was there last night, though. I saw him in the the stands. They showed him on the sideline. They showed him during the you game. You need to suit up and get in there. They would have won it there, but that's probably <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But definitely, you know, I've been you were a guy who thought the Eagles would fizzle out. We kind of did see that a little bit towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But you know, it definitely seems like again, as I hate to repeat myself, but when push comes to shove, it really seems to matter here, and we'll definitely well, figure we'll out. We'll see what happens next week because my prediction was that the Niners would beat the Cowboys and the uh, the Eagles would beat, or I'm sorry, the Niners would beat the Eagles. But that all depends on how good Kyle Shanahan's offense is with Brock Purdy. I you know, getting a chance to see the Cowboys what they did against the Buccaneers last Monday. I knew, you know, like so far my predictions have been right. As we're recording this, I'm through Saturday, perfect. And that's hard to do predicting the NFL because if you miss one wild card, it could mess up the rest of the bracket changing, you know. So it's kind of just like luck at that point to see if you can figure out conference champion or the, the Super Bowl champion. You just hate Tom Brady, admit it. Well, no, no, no. I And I, I thought, I mean, it was the first losing team he's ever taken to the playoffs. Like, NFC South was weak. I mean, it, you know, losing record, like, eight and nine, that's that's bad. And, and you know, and, I, and I, despite the fact that there was talent on that roster, even when we were talking to Christian and he was saying, yeah, he doesn't have an old reliable, though, you know, Gronkowski, you see the way Mahomes works with Kelsey, how different his game would be if Kelsey wasn't there. So I think, you know, it matters to have a really good tight end. 
and especially if you're locked in with him like Brady and Gronk were, you know, it's a different story without that guy. And he does have good receivers, but you could just tell the line wasn't holding for him. Micah Parsons was was giving Brady trouble all night. Um, you know, would be rushing throws. Receivers weren't getting the ball or getting open. He was getting frustrated. That went down about the way I thought it would. Let's see what the Cowboys can do to the Niners, though. I, so that that's you know the Niners are very beatable, especially their their passing defense. And Dak Prescott could uh, you know as we're talking right now could be slicing and dicing through the 49ers defense late in the game and uh, get revenge on last year when the the Cowboys seemed like they had that game won against the Niners and they came back late and ended up winning that one. That was just bad, bad play calling by Dak. But as I said last week against that uh, Cowboys Buccaneers game, like this kicker is going to cost them a play. Oh game. yeah, yeah. It didn't cost yeah. them that game, but yeah. it's like against a team like the 49ers that can put up points consistently. This could be your their Cody Parkey moment. What if it came down to a field goal tonight? By the time by the time this airs, it's probably just had, had ended. What if it came down to like a missed field goal by that guy? Oh, good old so Cody terrible. Parkey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's typical Cowboys choke. What's been your favorite thing about the playoffs so far? Um, my favorite thing so far here, honestly, I gotta say watching Mahomes play last and uh, yesterday. I know it's just he's played one game here, but just playoffs Mahomes seems better than regular season Mahomes to me. It's just he's so much fun to play, even when he was like limping a little bit. He still looked really damn good here. I think for me, maybe quarterback play in general has been pretty good. I think I think all teams' quarterbacks have kind of shown up so far. Four interceptions by Trevor Lawrence, last and he week. came back and won that game. I know, I'm just like, no. and, and that was the thing was like at, at halftime, I was kind of cursing him, like I was like, oh, he wasn't ready for the big time, you know. I knew it. I was like, but still, like, man, I get, gotta give this guy a chance. And I watched him come back. I turned it on at halftime and watched him come back with my own eyes. And it's, uh, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, going to be a special quarterback in this league. Um, you know, had a pretty decent showing against the Chiefs, you know, almost almost took them to, to victory. And I think, you know, moments like that will help him going forward. And I think we're going to see him probably get to a Super Bowl at some point. You know, he's still young. There's still time if he stays healthy. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a uh, heck of a season so far. Can't wait to see those conference championships next week. Super Bowl's coming up in what, like three weeks, February 12th. Uh, it's it's exciting. It's happening. It's uh, it's everything we uh, we watch in the NFL. It's it's all coming down to it. Yeah, of course, Sports Cubicles, your home for NFL playoffs, and we're gonna keep you updated each and every single week here. And then Super Bowl, I don't know, what we'll do just yet. Power du Francais. That is right, my friends. The Bulls showed out in Paris as they beat the Detroit Pistons one twenty six to one oh eight. They are now only three games below five hundred, but we are not here to put any yuck into yum because it was a really fun trip in Europe, in Paris for the Chicago Bulls. And we're breaking it down here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the Marvelous One, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shabari, and myself, Mike Mercado. And Marvelous One, the Bulls again, the most streakiest team in the NBA. They beat the best teams. They lose to the worst teams. And then, of course, they, they're representing. We're all scared. Oh, man, they're going to be the game of the week. Oh, man, they're going to the international game. Oh, man, like they have a winning streak against Detroit. And sure enough, they like do their job. So the most frustrating, the most inconsistent team in the NBA and the Chicago Bulls, your thoughts on what, what would seem to be a really cool trip and a really awesome this team represented themselves very well in 
in Paris on and off the court. Your thoughts on this trip for the Chicago Bulls? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're they're 1-0 in Europe, and maybe they should join the Euro League. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> that was my concern. They played well against the good teams and poorly against the bad teams, and I would put Detroit in the latter category. So I was a little worried about this game, but they did show up, and it looks like um, the uh, our center has, has blossomed in the absence of DeRozan, Vukovic. So that's been very helpful, obviously. He's, he's picked up his three-point shooting, and, his, and he's actually shown an inside game, which I've always asked that he do more of. So that's been wonderful. Now, you know, uh, the way that ultimately you want to have the team make the playoffs, and because the playoffs are so expanded, that's it's actually a very – strong possibility if they can keep winning. So it was good to see them, you know, focused on, highlighted for those people that were home at 2 o'clock on a Thursday, which I guess a lot of people work from home now, so it was more now than it was before the pandemic. But uh, that was a good good showing, and uh, hopefully they can keep going against the Hawks and the others that they'll be playing down the road. And we have an inside source who was at that Bulls game because a shout-out to my uncle Jeff Enriquez and his wife, Carla Enriquez, they were in uh, Paris. They actually did uh, a European trip and they were able to see that game and they saw some awesome stars and the NBA does it right. We were talking in a other segment about the bears, not doing a great job in honoring their history and their tradition. The NBA is a total opposite. The NBA is all in always about their former players, their current players. They love to promote and hype up their league. And it's something I do really appreciate and love both from David Stern and Adam Silver and the league's player associations that they really focus on the players and the, the, the greatness of the game, whether it's not the game you enjoy watching in the sense of like, if you're from the generation of the bird and, and magic or the Jordan or the Kobe, every generation evolves into its version of it, but they fall in love with it. Kids love Steph Curry. Kids love Luca and Trey Young. And I think the NBA does a great job of that. And the Bulls being such an international team and having such a brand because of Michael was so cool to see that kind of play out. But Marvelous, you brought up the the standings. You brought up the playoffs. And it's the top 10 teams make it. You got the play-in and whatnot. But you're looking at the Celtics at one, the Bucks at two, the Sixers at three, the Nets at four, the Cavs at five, the Heat at six, the Knicks at seven, the Hawks at eight, the Pacers at nine, and at number 10 is your 21 and 24 Chicago Bulls. They are two games behind the ninth seed. So I think if you look at the rest of the NBA, I, they're better than Toronto. They're better than Washington. They're better than the Magic, the Hornets, and the Pistons, who are currently uh, in a battle with the Hornets to get Victor and Minyaba. But I do think the Bulls won't make the play on at the very least. It's a shame that we're even having this conversation because they do have a lot of talents on this team. Then they are missing Lonzo and it shouldn't be this, this way, but the East is, is stacked, right? Marvelous. Absolutely. It was good. The Lonzo was in the team picture in Paris that that gave us some hope. that He'll come back someday from, from this mysteriously lingering injury that, uh, <laughs> that, that is almost beyond belief to the, the amount of time that's involved. It's uh, quite puzzling to me, but, we hopefully he'll be back and we'll be at full strength. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we did make the playoffs last year and it was a, a, a short run and uh, maybe the play-in game will be good for them. They'll get, you know, they'll get a, a, a few, few games in, win a series and then play one of the top teams. So uh, maybe this will be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think that the thoughts of them tanking and trying to get the number one pick that's been blown out the window, it's just too good of a team. It's too hard to move these guys. You and I have talked about it and, you know, yeah, is the expiring contract of Vucevic and DeMar's a great two. And does somebody want to take a, a swing on Zach? 
even though he earned that max contract, did you have to be the team that paid him? All these are, 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 you know, really relevant questions and they're questions that should be asked. But I do think that this is a team that's going to play themselves into a 10, nine, eight seed, and they're going to get themselves into a proper series, but we'll see what happens with Lonzo. And I think you and I are still on the same belief. We both predicted he wouldn't play in 2022 and he wouldn't play before the all-star game. I'm still pretty adamant. He's not going to play this season, but we'll see how much that changes his team. But marvelous. I think that's where we're, we're leaving on this. Your grades. I talked about it on last week's episode. The, uh, the athletic had a report on and a, a mid season grade for the Chicago bulls. And basically they got to see, the inconsistency, the weirdness of Billy Donovan's contract coming out of nowhere and the infighting and then the ups and the downs. I think they're a C-minus team right now. I think they're an underachieving team. I think they're a team that does have a very low ceiling, but a team that can be entertaining and is entertaining when they want to be. So before we let you go, what are your, your midseason grades on our Chicago Bulls after this Paris trip? I'm going to be a very optimistic with a C-minus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. So lower, but it's... It, it, they're, they're a little bit below uh, expectations, and maybe they, their expectations were too high because of their start last year. And uh, they, they've been, like we've been talking about, they, they rise to the occasion and beat them in Milwaukee and Boston, and then they lose Oklahoma City. You know, in Houston was an amazing number of points they give up in these, in these crazy games. So uh, too inconsistent, and, but they still have – when everybody's healthy, a big three for scoring, which is, is pretty important in the in the NBA. So hopefully that can carry them uh, to the playoffs and maybe win a series or two. That would be fun, my friend. It'd be it'd be great for us because then we could just dish more on the association, which we love doing. And on that note, we want to thank you guys so much for enjoying this Bulls trip. I think seeing Bulls fans be so great and traveling with the team and tweeting about them and interacting with them on social media and then old Bulls greats like Luol, Luol Deng and Joe Keem. And then obviously Magic was there. And, you know, it was it was really cool. And I think David Hall had this great idea next year, even though Michael won't make the trip, make it Bulls and Hornets and imagine the Chicago Bulls over there and Michael Jordan having to do ambassador work. That would be really cool in itself. But with that, we want to know your thoughts. What do you think about the Chicago Bulls after this Paris trip? We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shivari. I'm Mike Mercado. So that's going to do it for the Sports Cubicle for Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver. I'm Paul Shivari here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Santita starts your week tomorrow, 6 a.m.